And welcome back to the Alien vs. Predator Galaxy podcast, the original Alien and Predator podcast. Today I am starting the intro off, which I usually don't do. It's already thrown you off. It's already thrown me off. I am Adam Zeller, or as I'm known on the forums as Rich Top. Joining me is the usual person who does these intros. Aaron Percival, aka Corporal Hicks. And Eric Adams, otherwise known as Xenomorphine. That went all right. That went all right. Okay, so today we will be discussing the FX Alien TV series. We haven't really done a podcast episode on this before. We've done a few motion trackers just on the news, but we thought there was enough meat in the news now that we could actually talk about some of the characters, some of the basic story elements, and our thoughts as to where the show could go and what we think about that's been revealed so far. And don't forget the movie. Right. So we also will be talking about the new movie that came out of nowhere, which was just announced. Director Fide Alvarez. Alvarez. Right. Apparently, uh, well, we'll get we'll get into yeah. that whole whole juicy bit later, but very exciting news with that. So why don't we just start off with the FX TV series? Most recent news is that filming has been delayed again until I believe next year now. Mm hmm. So hopefully that will give them plenty of time with the pre-production to make sure they get it right. But also we've had some character news. We know that the show will center on consciousness transference. And we also were able to confirm that news and give some little additional details in terms of the main character, Wendy. And we'll get into that as well. But first of all, why don't we just start off? Aaron, why don't you begin just by saying, what do you think of all the news that's come out? I know we do have to kind of be careful because we still know more than has been revealed, but we'll just be talking about what is public at this point and things we would like to see in the show. But so far with all the recent news and developments, how are you feeling about things? I tend to lean towards a cautious optimism to do with anything to do with Alien or Predator. I'm not going to lie, there is always an initial excitement as well. I'm a fan. I cannot not be excited about new material. So. I mean, it's also weird because we do know yeah. what we know. We know more than what we can talk about. Yeah, which is always an unusual experience when it comes to covering these things. You know, it, it was for Covenant. It was for, to some extent, the Predator as well. Although we, we, we're generally free on Prey and obviously this new thing. So we're, that, that might be a bit more of a, a throwback experience. But yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I always am. I want the best of everything, but I also don't want to prejudge it too much because a lot of... A lot of the info that we get for releases tends to be dribs and drabs. It's leaks that might not be intended to be get out there without certain context, stuff like that. You know, character details leaking via what I presume to be casting calls and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily info for us as much as it is for the people preparing for these these roles. So it's it's always weird, but that's always the fun of of doing what we do, you know, of covering the news for nerds who are as obsessed as we are. But I always try to not get too in my head about the news as it's presented and, and to try and remain open-minded so that when it actually finally drops, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not coming into it with all these preformed opinions. But on the other side of that, I'm curious. I'm very curious to see how it all pans out, especially the consciousness transfer stuff, because it's so not alien, but it's... I mean, there's precedence in there. You know, we, we've talked about this on some of the motion trackers, you know, Eisenberg from AVP2, to some extent, Olivia Ship, not Olivia, what was the sister's name? Uh, Viola. Viola, although that was completely different because that was computer modeling based on personality and stuff like that. 
and you know there's blue marsalis in, in in you know alex white's books again not quite the same but along the same veins but it's it's not alien as much as i feel like it's ridley scott even though it's not ridley scott doing it it's not his concepts but it feels like it's alien in an extension that it feels like ridley scott in the same way that i think things that are giga feel like alien through extension so it's a very weird concept very weird situation that i'm really really curious to see how it pans out and Eric, how are you feeling about things so far? Well, as ever, I'm going to wait and see before I make judgments. As I find in Alien and especially Predator fandom at the moment, there are too many people willing to leap on the judgmental bandwagon. But I'm not very enthused based on what we've seen so far. And just to qualify that, what I mean by that is, I'm going to put this, it might have been interesting to see something based on, you know, genetics and things there's a lot in the news not just you know the obvious outbreak but there's a lot of it in the news about for example china trying to right now optimize biological warfare for ethnic groups that's all stuff that could play directly into the alien what we're actually being given is a lot of talk about corporate executives wealth redistribution social inequalities why ai somehow is going to totally kill everyone in the future i haven't heard anything about how the alien will play a component in the story now it doesn't mean to say it won't i'm sure it will but because we've been given several chances for the people behind this to kind of market it and we're starting to see that pattern and it feels like that stuff is going to be the center of it rather than something to do with the alien driving it forward. That is the worry. Doesn't mean to say that's what's going to happen, but that is the worry. And yeah, the transhuman stuff, the cybernetic implants, well, that could be interesting. But the problem with that is it's been done before. You've got shows like Altered Carbon. You've got a show which some people might not now remember, Caprica which is the Battlestar Galactica prequel that was out there. Now we've had some character details. There's stuff in there which feels very close to Caprica, to the point where I honestly have to wonder, have they watched Caprica and they've decided to maybe copy some stuff? I don't know, but it's a worry. So the stuff we've been told, the world-building stuff, I'm a little worried that it feels a little lazy now and it's all been there, seen that before. But I'm willing to give it a chance. Also, it must be said that some of the stuff Noah Hawley has said by what his understanding of Alien is about, I don't necessarily agree with. Like the whole thing about, you know, the, it was always woke and all the rest of it. It's, Alien is anti-corporate. It's not necessarily anti-capitalist. There's a big difference there. And when you're trying to give hints of that might be what this series revolves around... Like there's also a part, let me find it, where he st he talks about, he quotes, it's ultimately a classic science fiction question. Does humanity deserve to survive? Oh, I've seen that in so many things before, this nihilistic viewpoint of does humanity deserve to survive? It's so pessimistic. That makes the whole series feel like a downer from the start. 
I remember when Battlestar Galactica did do its remake that became successful, but it started out with a pilot episode of Adama, who in the original one from the 70s and 80s, he was this Picard-like figure who was talking about, no, humanity deserves a chance to prove wrong where we've gone wrong in the f- in the past. Humanity needs a chance, like Picard used to say to Q. Q in Star Trek was always saying humanity deserves to be wiped out. But Picard was saying, no, look at all the good things we've done in the past. And you've got, again, what is starting to become a trope now in science fiction of, does humanity even deserve to live? We should all die of sickness. And I think, oh, do I want to invest that much time in my life wading through this on screen when we've got all this stuff in the news that's constantly down? I'm not saying make it happy clappy, but don't present all this stuff as though it's new and it's never been explored in sci-fi before. And Eric's feelings on this are complicated. (laughs) I just want it to be done in a refreshing way. If they're going to explore this stuff, present it in a refreshing way. Don't. I'm just worried from that kind of side, that's all. One of the things I do enjoy about the Alien series is it is very much... I mean, it's not necessarily all pessimistic. Alien 3 definitely is. Yeah. And I suppose to some extent, Alien Covenant, which mm. I'll put it out there. I, I like the pessimism. I love Covenant the Covenant had nihilistic stuff. elements, I think. Especially the ending. But I like that. And to me, Aliens always incorporated elements of that. And I mean, let, let's you know, Eric's... I know Eric has strong feelings on this regardless, but, you know, the whole thing around the corporatist capitalist stuff, you know, Alien definitely very much is anti-corporations as well. But yeah. in some regards, you know, I think there is elements of anti-capitalism in there because it is Parker's, well, I suppose Kane's drive for glory, uh, monetary, Parker's drive for monetary glory. Well, that is more in the book, though. It's in there. It's in well, the we'll series. Get, we'll get know. into this debate. Curiosity. Let me tell you guys how I'm feeling about it before we start <laughs> jumping into debates. So me, personally, I'm very excited about the series. You know, we've started to see more and more high production value TV series, especially in the world of sci-fi with shows like The Expanse that are just killing it. Streaming shows have looked so good lately. Yeah. The Expanse is fucking Compared gorgeous. to when we were growing up, Aaron, the budgets that TV series got compared to how they are now. Well, they'd be worse for Eric. Huge now. Yeah, that's right. Even worse. <laughs> but they're they're huge now. All Jerry Anderson for Eric. Series compared to how they <laughs> are now, that there's just a huge difference. And part of that is just the way the industry is going, I think. But I do feel like Alien could very much work in a TV series format. So I'm very excited to see what they do. Personally, I haven't been too put off by the news. I know people have been put off by Hulu. People have been put off by that. Oh, you're going to have aliens in this alien series. We can confirm at least that much. There will be aliens in the show. But I'm excited for what Noah Hawley's going to do. I have not watched much of his work myself, but I've heard nothing but praise for Fargo and Legion. And I do want to watch his work and be more familiar with his work. That was something I was going to ask before. I was like, should we actually go watch some Legion and, and Fargo <laughs> before we sit down and do this episode? But yeah, I don't think we were going to make it through shows. Like, I was always interested in Fargo, but I just never got around to it. I did watch the pilot, and I will say the pilot was quite good for Fargo. And I, the only reason I never watched Legion was because it was you know X-Men adjacent, and I just wasn't interested. Yeah, I do feel like it, from what I heard, it it wasn't like X-Men proper, like it was kind of its own thing. Well, I think Christian was telling us that when he was on as well. Yeah, but I'm more with you, Aaron. I, I'm keeping an open mind because we've been unnecessarily worried before when it's come to things like Predators, you know? Mm-hmm. And Isolation. I think of Isolation, isolation as a big too. example. Yeah. 
So I'm always willing to keep an open mind. Sometimes I'll hear something of a project upcoming that I'm just like, please don't do that. But honestly, with the series, I haven't really heard anything that's put off too much. And I'm also kind of with you, Aaron, and a number of movie news sites reported on this. I do feel like, you know, no economic system is perfect. And there are downsides to capitalism that Alien has commented on in terms of worker exploitation. Call it corporate capitalism, hyper capitalism, or crony capitalism, or whatever you want. But I do feel like that critique is there. And it's beyond just Alien in the series, it's been in the comics, it's been in the RPG, and it is a core central theme of Alien. So to see that explored more in an Earth level for the people that have not left Earth, I think could be a really interesting prospect. Seeing Earth, you know, I think that's something that I'm really, really looking forward to. I know there's been some talk of the time period, and we'll get to that as well. But this will be the end of this century. So around Prometheus time, where we do have a number of colonized worlds, but the show will be primarily taking place on Earth. That's something that fans have been a little upset about as well. I'm personally interested to see that. And I think they can do it in a way where there's still stakes there if this is pre-alien. And it's not something that becomes widely known, a widely known incident on Earth. Should we talk about the Earth setting? Should we go with there first? Yeah, we can we can start with that. But to wrap up my thoughts, I'm excited. I think this will be an interesting new format for Alien. I just hope they actually start filming it soon so we can see it sooner than uh, rather than later. I think we've dealt with three pushbacks that we know of so yeah, far. Maybe we'll see the movie before this. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. I'm, and I'm liking what I'm hearing so far. Can we just go back to Alien 3 just quickly? Because I did want to point out yeah, there is that vibe in Alien 3, but you know the fans of Alien 3 remember that it's the part where character stands up and says, do you want to die on your knees begging or do you want to stand up? It's when they rise up against adversity. That's what the good Alien films is about. But they still all die horribly. Right after yeah, that. they do. Yeah, and the ones you just sort of let it happen, you go, what the hell sort of thing. It's Ripley. Remember Ripley because she stood up, Lambert kind of froze up and she was a victim. It's about not being a victim. The character like, yeah, Hudson fell, but he, he fell doing something. He fell protecting others. It's about rising up. It's about proving it's not all humanity deserves to die. And yet Paulie has put that in some interviews. He's been putting in, he said like, oh, remember when Ripley said to Burke, I don't remember which species is worse. I don't see the aliens effing each other for a goddamn percentage yet. But she wasn't damning the Marines. She wasn't damning Newt. She wasn't damning her old crew. She wasn't damning the gateway station people. She was damning specifically Burke and what he represented, Wayland Utanic. She wasn't saying... Well, she said, I don't know which humanity. species is worse. So yeah, but she, I was, think she it was... was a pointed comment at... At Burke and Wayland Utani. She wasn't said, screw you guys, I'm going back to the APC, you can stay here. No, but I think she was making a commentary on, I think she was making a commentary on, hey, at least they don't stab each other in the back like you. So yes, she was yeah, referring sure, to what he was she, doing. She wasn't damning humanity as a whole, whereas Noah Hawley has put in this when, thing. When you say species, it's kind of an encompassing word. It was a generalization, though. She wasn't damning She's still talking she humanity. She didn't say, you know what, all these colonists who came out here to mine, they deserve to die. She said to, to Burke... I think you're putting you know, too much thought into this. Yeah, but this is one. <laughs> Noah Hawley has used this as a crutch, as this thing about does humanity deserve to survive? I think you can have overarching themes. And yeah, there, there's a possibility that with this subject matter and these themes, he bungles it and he, he pushes that woke messaging, if you want to call it that, too far, whatever. But I think you can have overarching themes but still focus on a character. And you can still have a character rise up and meet the challenge within a nihilistic context and a nihilistic world. 
I think that could be possible. But where are we going to go? The Earth setting first? Earth setting, yeah. Yeah, why don't, why don't you tell us how you're feeling about that, Aaron? I know there's been some fan upset around the setting. There there seems to be this notion that you just can't do aliens on Earth, even though it's been done well in the comics and some of the books. So why don't you tell us, Aaron, what you think about the setting? I think it's a bit of a hot potato. I can get why people don't like it. And I'm, I'm not terribly sure how I think about it, to be honest. I mean, I, I, I totally get the perspective that it kind of spits in the face of what Ripley's attempting to do throughout the first three films you know her whole thing is about not letting the alien get back to earth because if just one of these things gets in here and all this bullshit that you kiss all that goodbye Mm. I get that but on the same vein it's like when I forget when we talked about it Adam but at some point you know recently we were talking about time travel in Alien and I was saying how I didn't want it to be that in a comic because it sets a precedence which then makes it easier for me to digest so because Aliens on Earth has been a thing prior to Alien 3. You know, it's been a thing for nearly as long as the franchise, as a franchise has existed because of those we original... We thought Alien 3 would be on Earth. Yes. I mean, it was sold to us that it would be it was be- that but... best trailer ever. was That first that. teaser that none of the films ever remotely... Well, I suppose maybe Toei's, because that was in orbit of Earth, if I remember rightly. But yeah, so it's it doesn't feel as wrong to me because there's such a precedence for it. You know, and of course, we've had the AVP films. They were both set on Earth, and that's not a plus in their favor. But, you know, again, it's precedence to the point where it's like, okay, I can digest this. This has been done before. But my problem with that tends to be there comes with it some predictability. So, you know, we know this is set around the time of Prometheus. We don't know when exactly, but it's around the time of Prometheus. So if if Noah Hawley is trying to maintain some continuity with the film, we know that whatever happens has to be an isolated incident. You know, they're going to do a Gunnison and blow up the city or town or compound or whatever that this is based on. And it's all going to be buried and, and stuff like that. And I don't enjoy predictability too much in that regards because I find looking for that red button distracting. You know, it was a problem I had with Out of the Shadows on my first read through. I kept looking for that reset button as I was going through and I found it distracting to the experience. And that that's sort of like my big problem with setting it on Earth because you can't do what I would really want you to do from setting it on Earth and that is see infestation. But obviously, again, we know we can't do that because of resurrection. And resurrection too, yeah. So that means if you were to do that, you'd have to then go post-resurrection. Well, with resurrection too, a lot of people just say drop resurrection because there's been so many stories post-Alien 3 where the aliens have been around in resurrection. It's implied they haven't been seen since Alien 3. That's why we have the big deletion. Don't worry about that. But yeah, I mean, the the, the ideal period for me is post-Alien 3 before resurrection. And again, there would have to be some sort of reset button in there but I feel like it would give more freedom perhaps if it was to be like a more developed colony world where we did get to see things run amok and you know I mean a more developed colony world I don't mean space Ikea Hadley's Hope I mean something that's got infrastructure and you know has been around for a while and yes it would then obviously have to be an isolated incident because of resurrection or whatever but I mean, there's ways around making that interesting that I think would be less distracting than setting it on Earth before possibly any of the films. You know, we don't know if it's before Prometheus yet. So I, I totally get it. I totally worry about it myself in some regards, but it's not it's not a killer to me. Again, because like I said, I've seen it in the comics. I've seen it in AVP. 
I'm used to it. And the same as the timeline thing doesn't bother me. Again, because I know there's going to be a reset button. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to see aesthetics that are Prometheus-ish. With the way that Hawley has been talking, you know, about talking about the whole humanity angle and the corporationist angle, I can totally see us seeing some worn down kind of things and some noticeable difference in aesthetics based on different statuses within society and stuff like that. So none of that bothers me because I'm sure there'll be interesting visuals there in terms of aesthetics. But I don't know, it's a bit of a... In the grand scheme of things, I th- I find it a bit of a non-issue, but I totally get where people are coming from. Yeah, I understand the concern. For me, Ripley was like how I took it was Ripley was less concerned about the alien getting back to Earth than she was humanity getting their hands on the alien because humanity had colonized a number of worlds at this point. Even if Earth fell like it did in the comics in Earth War, you'd still have humanity on a number of worlds. But if she saw the alien as enough of a threat that it would just spread, it would stow on ships and it would just spread, then that was the greater threat than it just getting to Earth. But I do think it could be an interesting setting. And I, you know, we saw in that Covenant deleted scene, a city that I guess was supposed to be set on Earth, if you take the prequel novel into account, which I don't think they'll touch on anything in that, Aaron, like the anti-colonization cult or anything. There were so many interesting angles in that book, but it was just such a dud in the end. You still haven't read it, have you? I still haven't, just because you didn't. I need to just read it. But does it talk about like how colonized humanity has gotten at that point in the prequel novel? I don't remember. I've read it the once. I have no desire to go back to it. Maybe we need to do a podcast on that one. <laughs> We've been doing a lot of the bad book podcasts, it seems, but I'm not opposed to the Earth setting. Again, I really like seeing more of a city colony, like a big city colony in that comic, Dust to Dust. And so I feel like you could have a human city and have those kind of Blade Runner aesthetic elements, not crazy dystopic like Blade Runner, but... Here's the big question is how would we want to see Earth portrayed? Depends on how much of Earth we're seeing. If, if this is contained to a city or an island or something, I don't know, some facility somewhere underground, like we have, well, we know, we know, but we can't say where on earth this is, this is going to take place. So well, I guess the, the question is more, do you think or want, and, and of course this is to you as well, Eric, but do you think or want that it would lean too much into the Blade Runner, into that neon future? I think that the temptation is going to be there. What's interesting is that they might, even if they're not going to do the Blomkamp project, we do know that we saw some cityscapes in that. They have the rights to it, and they, somebody might have looked back into that concept art and gone, yeah, you know what, let's just use this. What might harm this? You said about Earth, but it's the Earth plus prequel nature of it that runs the danger of it feeling like it's a project which is sweeping its legs from under itself because the stakes, no matter how high the stakes are going to get, you're going to have that inevitable moment where somebody says, what if this gets loose? And you as a viewer know it's not going to get loose. Nothing like that. Whether it's the alien or something, an offshoot of it, it's not going to happen. What could have been interesting and cheap to do from a production standard, especially with the kind of stuff they got with Mandalorian, is to not set it in a city at all, have them uncovering some sort of alien archaeological ruins and you've got some sort of away team that's they've set up a base around that sort of stuff and they find something to do with the alien and you could have all that stuff like the hieroglyphics we never got to see in the original film things like that could have been interesting you don't have to do a human settlement at all but i would guess 
I mean, we know this is being filmed in Thailand, I think, so we might have to Partially. look at, yeah, we might need to look up what some of the architecture is there is like. But I would wager this is probably going to have some sort of laboratory component or whatever. So I would think, based on what little we know of the story, we're going to have a good portion set in some sort of subterranean base where you're not even seeing cityscapes at all. And it's going to be that sort of Battlestar Galactica thing where you see a lot of spaceship interiors, but you you know you never actually see the city unless they went back to Caprica itself. It's going to be most of it is going to be interiors. But there's nothing stopping them from doing big cityscapes if they want. Because look at Boba Fett, look at Mandalorian. I mean, in Boba Fett, you had Tatooine and Mos Eisley, but they actually made those desert alien cities like Middle Eastern massive in scale there. Basically, they can do what they want with it. But yeah, I would like to see not cityscapes, nothing. I would like to see just alien archaeology, not sit on Earth, have it somewhere isolated enough that you could have that thing about what if it gets loose and maybe it would affect some sort of colony above ground or something. This way does feel limited. But uh-huh. by the same token, how do we know that's not going to be a plot development? Maybe they will switch over to another location at some point. We don't know. We just know it's the majority of stuff, at least in the pilot episode, is going to be set in Earth. What if the story does well, we do We do know, Eric, you haven't been fully caught up. <laughs> we know more uh, than a little about the story. <laughs> so I, I was also going to point out, we've talked about Alien Resurrection, but do you remember there was that little hint in Alien Resurrection when they said, you know, it's based in the solar system by Pluto and that, but they said, oh yeah, the jurisdiction of space. They were doing these experiments deliberately outside of jurisdiction. I would be interested if they played around with that kind of thing. So they're trying to do whatever they're going to do in this show, they have to do it within certain areas that have no legal jurisdiction. Like, for example, me as someone who's very into UFO law and that, and the real subject of underground military bases, because there's a hell of a lot of those that are real things. They've been dug away underground, the nuclear bunkers and what have you. A lot of the ones we know that the US has on US soil, sometimes they're in from very weird areas and researchers go, why the hell are they there? And they realize they're actually sort of under the ground in like Native American reservations, because legally they can get away with doing things in jurisdiction in them that they couldn't if they were based somewhere else. But it's because they're underground, no one's the wiser. So it'd be interesting if they play around with that kind of thing because then you could have all manner of locations. They could even have something based undersea. Now, we played Colonial Marines the other day, and you two were saying it would be interesting if they did something undersea. How about they have an undersea base? You could do that on Earth, yeah. and that would be a way of isolating it. That kind of could have been a possibility for Blomkamp's thing as well, couldn't it? Well, there was this oil rig that, I guess, had an underwater component to it based on mm. a concept art. But yeah, you guys know I'm a Resident Evil fan, so I would love me a giant underground research facility. And I do think an underwater base idea could be kind of cool, too. We saw that in that comic uh, a little bit, Fast Track to Heaven, where they had the space elevator going down into yeah. the oceans of, of Europa a bit. So something like that could be something super isolated, could be a real cool element. But that also plays to the stakes idea, right? Like AVP was isolated in Antarctica. So the stakes are not exactly super high. They're still high for the characters that were invested in here. But it's like, is it going to be that contained? Is it going to be that isolated? Yeah, the the thing is, if you're going to play around with it's going to be set on Earth anyway, or, or the solar system, at least make the environment unusual enough 
and interesting. Yeah, you just want to tune in just to see what they do with it. Although, as we've said, it would have been more interesting to say it maybe at some ambiguous future point on a different planet. But wherever it's set, it doesn't have to be a city. It can be something other than that. And we've seen cities played around with all the time in sci-fi. Maybe it's time to base it somewhere else. And I suppose that, to go on what you were saying, Adam, you know, the stakes, limiting it puts a lot on the actors and the characters as to how much of a shit we actually give about them. (laughs) Right. Which... To be fair, it's kind of necessary, you know. I don't feel like we've really had, outside of David, and I know that's a bit of a hot topic as well, you know, the last four Alien films, and yes, I'm counting the AVPs, I don't think we've really had any characters that would be considered massive fan favourites. You mean like Ricky? (laughs) (laughs) No. No, and I mean even Shaw. I I hate Shaw, and I know there were some people. You who hate were a bit, Shaw? I thought you liked Shaw. No, she I don't has like her Shaw. admirers, but it's um. I I find her doggedness <laughs> to her beliefs. Dogmaticness is that? No, just, just the way she she clings to her beliefs in the face of zealousy. Or, yeah, is zealousy a word? What would? Fanaticism? I don't know, but Zealotry. well, I don't know. She was an interesting character in that she she was a scientist, but she also. But that duality wasn't that duality was barely a part of her character. I mean, I know that I know scientists like that exist, and I would have loved to have seen maybe more discussion around that in the film. But but when it comes to it, it's like right, we've met our literal gods, our literal creators. But I think there must be more. You know, there's got to be an actual god as defined by the Bible. Those are so. the actual space jockeys, like you want, Aaron. So yeah, maybe it's the the people who made the engineers. I find that very frustrating. I find her very frustrating. If you remember back at the back back in the day, we did have all those interviews from Ridley Scott saying that he'd met all those kind of scientists who were still religious, and he found that fascinating, and that was what he was going for. But it's it's like you said, he didn't really explore the duality. There were no philosophical not debates, but there weren't moments where the the character questions things and has it didn't propel the story forward. It was like a character who has that facet to them but it didn't move the story forward and it should have contributed to the story but we talked about that before it would have been nice if he'd have done that kind of thing with the ancient astronaut theory as well and it that was kind of squandered as well there was a lot of balls that were picked up in prometheus and they weren't really played with yeah ancient astronaut theory was was one of them i feel like adp played with it more than prometheus honestly which prometheus just kind of used it for a springboard for the story Yeah. But talking about the characters and our investment in them, I guess, brings us to, it's a good segue to, we've had our first kind of details revealed publicly about the characters. And I believe the two characters are Wendy and Hermit. And these details were broken by entertainment news website, The Illuminerdy, which we were unfamiliar with. But after seeing their reporting, we knew it was legit. And so we decided to report on it ourselves. And like you were saying, Aaron, we assume they probably got their hands on a a casting call for some of the characters. But two notable characters they mentioned are Wendy, who is a little girl. And we revealed the details that her consciousness is transferred into a synthetic body in the story. And her brother, who goes by Hermit, is uh, part of Prodigy Tactical Response, which Prodigy was brought up. So we we know there's another corporate player in this series, the Prodigy Corporation. Which is an actual real company back in the day. 
Oh, didn't know that. Yeah. I think when the communications thing, I've got to look I this up. So. I think they were an internet one as well. There was something to do that, but yeah. There is a art gallery called Wayland with W Y. I'm sure with how many companies are out there, you'll find some oh, yeah. crossover names. It was an online service from 1984 to 2001. Well, it's defunct now, so it's up for grabs. So, yeah, in addition to the Seeks Incorporation that was added with Isolation, we could see another major corporate player in the Alien universe, which is cool. I mean, it kind of alludes to the fact that this show could deal with corporate espionage. But as far as the characters, what we've heard of them so far, just speaking to what's been revealed about them. So just looking at some of our reporting here or uh, reporting on the Illuminati scoop. So this was a post of ours from January where we confirmed the Illuminaries scoop on the first character details. This was their second. Oh, the second character details. And they reported it looks like Alien is looking to cast a man between 20 and 30 for the role of J.D. Hermit. J.D. Hermit, known as Hermit, is a human medic for Prodigy Tactical Response, the private military of Prodigy Corporation. So we also have PMCs, which is interesting. Hermit is described as a young man with an anxious temperament, but a good heart. Hermit is struggling to find his way, believing himself to be cursed as he mourns the loss of his family. Hermit was particularly close with his 10-year-old sister, Marcy, who he was told died of cancer. Hermit is driven to help others, but he feels untethered and isolated in his grief. However, in the face of great danger, Hermit proves that people have severely underestimated him and that he, in fact, has the heart of a hero. Alien is also looking to cast a woman in her mid-20s to mid-30s to play Wendy. Wendy is described as tall, athletic, and androgynous. Wendy is not a human. Instead, she is a, quote, hybrid, a superhuman who is essentially perfect. However, all is not as it appears with Wendy, as she, in fact, has the mind of Hermit's 10-year-old sister, Marcy. She learns how to live and control this new body under the tutelage of synth scientist Kirsch and human scientist Dane Silva. So two more characters that have been revealed. Wendy eventually becomes a leader to the hybrids, so there are multiple of these hybrids, and creates the path for a new era of enhanced beings. Wendy, once she realizes full development, once she reaches full development, will have super strength, speed, agility, combined with the limitless courage of a young mind. Wendy is not only a new being, but a tool of monumental value to the world. And Noah Hawley also kind of alluded to some of these themes earlier in the month of January when he said, in the movies, we have this Whaling yutani Corporation, which is clearly also developing artificial intelligence. But what if there are other companies trying to look at immortality in a different way with cyborg enhancements or transhuman downloads? Which of these technologies is going to win? So as far as those characters and those themes, I know Again, some fans were not super happy with the character descriptions there in terms of Wendy being essentially perfect. But I do think there are some interesting elements there. And I think there is precedent for the consciousness transference. Aaron, you mentioned earlier Aliens versus Predator 2, where we had the scientist Eisenberg, whose father was a synth scientist. And uh, after Eisenberg's accident, he transferred his consciousness into a synthetic body. I am kind of curious as to the route they are going to go with that in terms of is this going to be like Chappie where it's a total digital consciousness download or the movie Transcendence, if you've seen either of those, Eric? Or is this going to be like Ghost in the Shell where they're taking someone's physical brain and putting it in an android body? Well, I mean, it's called a hybrid. 
So I'm. <laughs> we we don't yet know whether that may, are they mean hybrid as in like genetic hybrid sort of thing or hybrid as in uh, my guess would be flesh and synthetic in which case they might as well just call them cyborgs but that whole deal was what i was referring to earlier about caprica because in caprica there was a 16 year old girl who died in the very first episode and she made herself a digital avatar and they put the digital which is basically a digital copy of her personality blah 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 they put that into these robotic machines which they called you know cylons that was the first of the cylon sort of thing and they had all these amazing upgrades in aiming and whatever and he got a military contract and it was a character who you know they thought that girl had died and it strikes me as very, 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 very similar to that. Hmm. I haven't heard of that show before, actually. Caprica. Yeah, it only had one series, apparently. It was, when was it made? Yeah, 2010. So about a bit over a decade ago now. But yeah, it's very similar to that. And and even down to Hermit. What struck me about this was, I think Mr. H also said that in his news coverage of this, that you've got a company called Prodigy who's responsible for a prodigy. That's a little on the nose. (laughs) But more than that, you've got a character who's withdrawn who's being called Hermit. These things are not subtle. So this is what (laughs) I'm saying. When they're presenting these things, I don't mind if, so long as they do it in a refreshing, creative way, but things like that feel a bit been done before, and it's like they're almost trolling us with the names. But it could be, let's hope it's interesting. It's just, it's my fear is that it's retreading ground that we've seen in other stuff, that's all. I do find the PMC aspect kind of interesting because it makes me wonder how the political situation on Earth is going to be presented here. Because we know even though the corporations have a lot of power, you still have different Earth governments at that point, this point. And these are elaborated more in the RPG, which, again, we don't know or think Holly is going to pay too much attention to this. But it makes you wonder because this has been shown in the film, albeit just on screens and in the background, of things like the Three World Empire, of things of the United Americas. Like, how is that going to be discussed? in the show how are these political elements gonna take place or is it just gonna be corporations rule the world and is it gonna be simple like that i don't think we'll see any of the things like the three world empire or the union of progressive peoples that was a thing in the the rpg that was giving you more of a sandbox to play that was that was those guys you know digging into the law that was digging into ron cobb's notes dan o'bannon's notes and unused scripts i have zero expectation that we're going to see anything like that in the show which is a shame because you know the rpgs are essentially law guides law bibles that it would be nice if these creators used and utilized and delved into but I think too much of it is, we're going to do our own thing. I, this is my story. This is my playground. I'm going to play with what I want to do. And and when it comes to that, you know, they very rarely look at the expanded universe. This isn't, you know, Marvel. Yeah. But that is a double-edged sword, I think, with the creative freedom, because especially when you're working in a big established franchise, because you want creators to have the freedom to explore new aspects of a franchise and do stories that haven't been told before that are unique and interesting. But you also look at what happened with Scott and the prequels and how divisive those were. And you wonder if if Holly is going to do something along those lines, even though this is kind of different to, to Scott's work, I think. But yeah, as you've said, there are some some similarities as well. 
I mean, nothing prevents. We don't know how it's going to go. There could be hints of it going. They might decide to do that with, like, season two. We'll see, blah, blah, blah. It's not even, Adam, as you said, like, corporations rule the world. We're just seeing the big players in this story happen to be corporations and corporate representatives. The frustrating thing about in here is, once again, we're talking in a vacuum. We might well see a lot of those things in here, but it's it's all speculation and guesswork right now. People enjoy that. We enjoy that as fans. What I would say is it doesn't really matter whether they play with those elements so long as they drive the story forward. Would it feel like there's a purpose to it if they just do name checks of things just for the sake of name checks? I would say, no, don't worry about that. Just concentrate on crafting the best story they can, assuming it's original enough. Will it matter if we get hints of Three World Empire and stuff? No, be nice, but name checks for the sake of name checks, let's just hope it's a good story. But even established in the movie Aliens, where they talk about you know, the corporation will have to sneak these things back to Earth because of ICC quarantine. So it is established that there are Earth governments that yeah, and, definitely, and definitely. military jurisdiction yeah. that do have control over the corporations. Again, that's driving that was driving that story. That very much played into Burke's conspiratorial thing. That drove the story forward. But from like a world building and a, an alien nerd point of view, you know, just to have those name checks in there are, well, it is world building, isn't it? And it's nice to see elements of the expanded universe being pulled in. You know, that's why a lot of us like the RPG, because yeah. it's it's reconciling a load of these different parts of the EU and different parts of the lore and old scripts and stuff like that. And it's one of the appealing things about it. And, you know, we're sci-fi nerds. We like that. So to see it in a show would be ace. It's one of the appealing things about the Mandalorian and Boba Fett series as well. They have so many drops <laughs> of nostalgia there for fans from the EU toys, like all sorts of stuff. They'll just drop into that show. And it, it is nostalgia pandering for sure. It's it's member berries, but it's handled in a way, I think, that serves the show and it serves fans without being like obnoxious fan service. It's fan service done right. And it would be nice to see a bit more of that in, in alien media, I think. As far as the characters go, Aaron, uh, Aaron and I had discussed while you stepped out for a moment. As far as the consciousness transference element, do you think it's going to be like actually physically taking a brain and putting it into a, an android body? Or will this be more chatting, more, more transcendence, where it's a digital transference of consciousness? I can't see them going Paul Verhoeven, Robocop kind of thing. <laughs> as I was like we saying as well earlier, you know, there's this precedence in this for in Alien for consciousness transfer. And, and that's what the character details straight up say, if I'm not I mistaken. He says digital, digital immortality or something, which does kind of play into the aspect of Prometheus. You know, Waylon was looking for immortality. But see, this, this is why I always said this was right up Scott Street. You know, I teased this on the board as far back as when we started getting the first details of it that I thought this was going to be really something Scott would enjoy. And I think that is so him, you know, because he's, as he gets older, he explores his, he's more interested in mortality. And that's why we're getting a lot of these more uh, synthetic related things, I, I believe personally anyway, is where his interest comes from. So like I said earlier, through that, I think it feels alien through Scott. But outside of that, it's, yes, there's precedence, but not quite as much as, say, perhaps setting something on Earth would be. You know, that was the subject of a, a huge arc at the start of Aliens Expanded Universe. This, not so much. So it does feel a little weird at the minute. And 
I wouldn't say it's a big thing I'm interested in. I, I think as far as exploring the idea of prolonging life or, or stuff like that in the alien universe goes, I'd be more interested in uh, the body horror kind of elements of it, of like doing things with the black goo. I know you'll probably roll your eyes and hate that and that kind of thing, but that's something I'd find more alien off the bat, you know, this idea of toying with the goo and going transhuman in the way that Blue Marsalis does in Into Charybdis and stuff like that. So this doesn't quite feel as alien to me, but you know me, I'm willing to roll with it and see how it goes. If it works out being presented as good and the story and the series as a whole is good, because at the end of the day, that's the crux of it, isn't it? It's fun. If the series is good, we'll not nitpick it as much. But if people start to get pissed off with the show as we're rolling on and the whole package isn't great, people are going to nitpick it more. We want to go full throttle Cronenberg at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not not Cronenberg. Full on Brundlefly. Give Jeff Goldblum a cameo. Give give me Sill, you know. Give me a theatrical Sill um, in the Alien We've universe. We've got a theatrical Sill in space. I, I think I we have enough of that universe. stuff in the Marvel comics, honestly. Oh, give it me. Yeah. Give it Let's me just go back to screen. Alien Roots. But it's... Again, it's nothing that's going to dampen my enthusiasm to fuck this show early on, you know, that kind of attitude. But it's it's one of the things where I'm like, yeah, okay, let's see how it goes. It's it's more of a cerebral thing than a Giga thing, it feels yeah. like at the moment. Whereas I'd prefer it to go down the Giga thing. Yeah. That's personal taste as well. You guys know how much I love that kind of stuff. Well, it was kind of interesting in the investor meeting where they first officially announced development for the series, where Landgraf was on this like virtual stage and they had like this alien environment. It did look very Giga-esque, honestly. And, you know, we're always hoping for those elements to yeah. make their way back into the franchise more. Give me some engineer ruins that look like that, or give me some hive or something, you know. See, that's what I said earlier. So I know, I, I completely dig. agree with you. I completely agree with you. I would like that. But as fans have been asking, there are aliens in this alien series, and we were able to exclusively reveal the creative monster effects studio that will be responsible for handling the aliens, which is going to be Weta and New Zealand. What is New Zealand based? Right. Yeah. We are unsure how much will be handled by Weta Workshop versus Weta Digital. I would assume both will be on the project, and there will be hopefully a good number of alien practical effects as well as digital effects. But they're super competent at both. Recently, I've looked at their creature work in their digital creature work for Weta Digital. I think it's called Weta FX now, and they kind of changed. And I think Peter Jackson might have sold off some of it to, was it Epic, I think? Regardless, it's what FX now is the digital side of things. But their work on the Tomorrow War with the creatures just looked fantastic. It did. So I, I feel, and I still need to see that movie myself. It was, it was pretty standard. I liked it. I liked it. I enjoyed it, but it was, it was kind of standard sci-fi with a bit of time travel thrown in. It kind of looked like Battle LA, if you ever saw that movie. Yeah, yeah that there, there's, there's elements of that in there. It is better than Battle for LA. It's it's definitely worth a watch, but I, I don't think it's um, the best the genre necessarily. Has it, to it's watch. like got like what Independence Day was for you know alien dogfights. It's it's that for monster movies. It's it's just a, it's a fun monsters killing, and there are some quite gruesome things in it as well. There's like a couple of them bring down some horses you're seeing in footage, and so it's 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 that kind of, and it's they're interesting creature designs as well. And there was a little bit of thing to it towards the end that yes, I quite liked. There was. I, I, yes. I really enjoyed that. 
Yeah, if you're if you remember the ADI pilot design and the stuff that was around in that space, it's it's clearly very inspired by that. Yeah. Yep. So ADI will not be coming back for this Alien series, but who knows? Maybe they'll be doing the new movie since that was announced. We do know their work will be in Prey, and Odd Studio did the effects for Covenant for Prometheus. Odd Creatures. Remember, it was Creatures Inc. And Odd Studios for Covenant. Creatures Inc. worked on Prometheus doing various prosthetic effects for the engineer. And then um, the two merged for Covenant. Gotcha. And what I guess did work on Prometheus, both Workshop and Digital. I think they did the Deacon in that, didn't they? Didn't they do the Practical Deacon on set? They at least did the, the deleted five fields. They did. Version. I always lament that. I wish we had seen that digital five field. I think it was the better version than the, the zombie mm. five field. I yeah. didn't like that version personally. It looked too out of proportion. The way it moved made it, made it look, no, it looked silly <laughs> to me. For me, it was all about being that weird-looking thing, not quite yeah, being but like, human. In still images, it looks great. But when I saw it in footage, I thought, uh, I can't maybe... Well, we've got to remember that it was also unfinished. Yes. The design concept, I much preferred that. You know, I wanted it to look more like transforming yeah, into an sure. alien. Yeah, I agree with that. But how are you guys feeling about uh, Weta on this project, handling the xenomorphs? Honestly, I'm more just shocked to the core that I keep forgetting that Weta didn't do the prawns. Yeah. yeah, we found out it was another company. I mean, didn't do what the prawns in District Nine. A lot so of people they did the designs, they did the concept art. As far as the actual prawn creatures, it was Im Image Engine. They did the digital effects. I will say though, what a digital did Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets and Avatar. They did the digital effects for those. Both of those have humanoid aliens that are crazy good looking. They look too much like CG creatures in both of those. Not in Avatar, honestly. Avatar, oh, I still think has so cartoonish in that CG. regard, though. I think that's more to do with the color palette because they do have those bright cartoonish colors and it's that kind of background. I mean, me personally, I'm this was the one piece of news which did make me go, oh, okay, this has got interesting because I remember ever since Lord of the Rings, and that was what, 2001 or so, there's been this call on the various alien messaging boards to go, you know, what would be good? getting wetter involved in an alien film and now we've got it now we don't know to what extent i mean for all we know they might just be making little sort of worm-like parasites and that's all we see of their work but whatever they're gonna do it's gonna look quality so this this is made. they are really making more than worms we can confirm that there are aliens <laughs> in this alien show let's hope yeah no we we can confirm this yeah they are doing more than worms Good. <laughs> but I mean, if it was just if it was a District Nine situation as well, where it was them handling yeah, that's, that's the design. Yeah. Somebody else does it. Well, District Nine they did the concept art for the weaponry as well, I think. And I believe in Elysium as well, which had like really cool hmm. I know it's sacrilege to say this, but ever since the prawns, I have wanted to see a mocap, photorealistic CG alien, just because I feel like it might be easier to get this. Well, I suppose this has come on more on since isolation, but to get that kind of movement that we get from Stompy, you know, I am so desperate to see the kind of. You know the reveal of Stompy when he comes out the, the vents and he does yeah. this sort of weird twist and he's so graceful and like mesmerizing. A baby born. 
I think it is honestly some of the best the alien has ever looked. And I just struggle to see a bloke in a suit accomplishing that. No, we have the gymnast and aliens. I think you could. No, no, because of the material as well. Can Imagine how constricting some of the suits must be to pull that off. And that is where I think that a mocap suit would excel at this. And that is the kind of movement that I'm really desperate to see in, in an alien film. on the director. We saw Ridley Scott do this in Covenant. And what we actually saw on screen, I always said one of the big problems with that is it lacked any sense of weight and inertia. And I said they should have based the movement on that sequence in Aliens where it leaps from one wheel wall to the other when it's coming after Ripley who's just re- rescued Newt. That's the movement because you, you had that weight in Covenant, there was no sense of weight, no sense of inertia. With Neil Blomkamp, he gives the prawns, he gave them that. They felt like living creatures. That's the difference between Blomkamp, who knows how to handle CGI, and Ridley Scott, who either didn't know how to, or he had a weird idea and he said that they need to be weightless and it didn't gel with what we've seen of them before. It'll depend on who directs those episodes. But even Blomkamp in his films, uh, even though the creatures were completely CG, you still had a lot of practical effects just with the sets and all that stuff. And I do feel like like with Covenant, the CG was too heavy in the alien. And maybe, Eric, that that's just like it, it wasn't done right. And I agree with you, Aaron, that if, if it was done to the level of the prawns in District 9 with modern tech, I think fans would be much more forgiving if these were totally digital creatures. But for me, this is a series built on practical effects. And you see it with Jurassic World, too. Like with Jurassic World, the fans kept clamoring for more practical effects. And from the 2015 film to now the new one coming out, they even increased the number of practical effects in that series because of the fan demand for it. You've seen it in Star Wars as well in the series. There's a lot of strong digital effects. There's a lot of strong practical effects. They're bringing back old techniques too, like the Phil Tippett stop motion occasionally in that series made an appearance or two. So I think when you play to the effect strengths and you hybrid them so that they're together, they are far more effective. It makes the CG way more believable. It's a balance. Yeah. And we know what a workshop can do this because their work on Lord of the Rings and a lot some of the digital effects in Lord of the Rings have aged, but that was a really good example of strong practical to digital balance. And then in the Hobbit movies, it was too far digital. People complained about that. It was the same thing with the Thing prequel. So I personally really hope that they bring a strong balance of practical and digital because I know what it can do both. But it is always cool to see those digital movements of the alien as far back as Resurrection when we saw the legs. Like we thought that was so cool, but it was done sparingly and it was played to CG strength. So I personally hope they just don't go a total CG route for the alien. I hope there's a good balance of practical to CG in terms of creatures. Adam, you might know this a bit more because you're more into effects and ADI and stuff. What I remember in The Hobbit, they were experimenting with a new kind of frame rate. They were. That never caught on. With the, mo- the actual motion, maybe that would have made a given more of a false feel if they'd done the old I frame don't rate. think the frame rate really affected the, okay. the believability of the effects. But for people, it was just weird. I thought it was kind of cool because I'm used to playing like video games in high frame rates, but a lot of people felt the high frame rate eliminated the cinematic feel of that and made it look too much like you were watching like a theater show. You were watching a play on the screen. It was very weird feeling. Did either of you guys see the movie with a high frame rate when that came out? The first Hobbit? I think they only did it for the first one. I slept through the first one. Oh, did you? The theater? It's been a while since I've fallen asleep in a movie theater. I only saw them on um, home release. I like the Hobbit film, but as I say, I only saw it on the small screen, so I might have had a different experience. I find Tolkien boring. 
to be fair, fairly frank. Always have. Took me a year to read The Hobbit. Took me a year to read The Fellowship of the Rings. And I only did it through commitment to my dad because he loved them. I fucking hated <laughs> them. And I just don't like the films. Yeah, the new series looks kind of cool with Amazon. And that's another example of something that was previously a theatrical series that is now having a very high budget TV series. And so that's another thing I'm curious about with this Alien series is what level of budget are we talking about here? It's very possible, given what was talked about with the new Alien movie that was just announced, the TV series, well, it's actually probable, will have a higher budget than this new movie that Fede Alvarez is, is helming. Yeah, I suppose in the long run, because it works out as per episode, doesn't it? Yeah. Tell you what I'm I'm curious about is if is if Ridley will direct an episode. I'd really I would really curious about that. Yes, for yeah, the name drop he probably would. I don't know how he'd feel about. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess he didn't write Covenant Prometheus, right? He had a hand in the creative process, which we know he has less of a hand in the creative process with this one. Well, there's there's an obvious way to find that out. Did he direct any episodes of Ray? Right. It was the first three, I think, yeah. wasn't it? Didn't his son as well? Luke Scott did some episodes? I think his son did a lot of episodes. I honestly really like Luke Scott as a director. I think with the viral shorts he did with Covenant, he did a really good job. And Prometheus. Like to see. And Prometheus. I forgot he directed those too, yeah. And The Martian, actually. I'll have to see those. I don't think I ever saw the viral marketing stuff for The Martian, but I love that movie. But yeah, Luke Scott, I think could just follow in his father's footsteps. And I think he would be a good alien director as well. One more thing I wanted to touch on in terms of practical effects. In Covenant, you look at all the behind the scenes photos where you see the alien suit. And then we watched 40th anniversary shorts, right? Where they had the alien stunt suit. And it did feel like there was more of a presence to the alien there. And you could actually see it. I know so many people see behind the scenes photos of that alien suit in Covenant and they're like, oh, why wasn't that in the movie? And even on the Blu-ray, you had a deleted scene of a practical neomorph creeping in the hallway. And I was like, that's so cool and creepy. Like, could we just have a little of that with the CG? So I do feel like it's it's a risky gamble if they just go the complete CG route for the aliens. I think with the Tomorrow War, you can get away with that stuff more because there's not precedent for it. These are completely new creatures just for this movie. But with Alien, there's a legacy of practical effects. There's an expectation of practical effects. And if you leave that out, you're going to be leaving some portion of fans unsatisfied. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, it's the same for The Predator as well. And that's something that I think, other than Ridley Scott, a lot of the directors have realized. You know, Anderson knew it. Strauss Brothers knew it as well when they went on to do the AVPs. And it was... Regardless of the end result of the films, you know, they knew that that was, that was an element that the fans love and want. So yeah. I completely agree with you. You know, that there is a legacy and an expectation there. And as much as I am open to the, the mocap suit to see that kind of movement, I would always want to see a practical alien in there as well. Even if just for cool behind the scene photos, yeah. but it, you know, it, it helps, it helps with the actors. It helps yeah, with it the performance. It evokes the emotion with the actors too, which is why I think really had it on set and the, the lighting reference as well. It was interesting, too, if Alien 5 would have been made, I think Blomkamp was going to have Studio ADI doing practical and Weta doing digital. So to see those two studios working together, and that's always cool, too, where you have the two different studios, like in the first AVP, like ADI did the practical. I can't remember what, what company did the digital effects for AVP, but I thought they were solid, the CG aliens in the first AVP. Eh, for the time, they're okay. I don't know. That scene where they're all crawling on the queen was pretty cool. Well, the one where they, they're getting before her, I think, is look, looks a little dated. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that. I really want well, 4K. I thought you watched that every month. 4K cuts of those movies. <laughs> Not every month. At least once a year, I'll watch them. That's fair. So Hulu, you know, we have this coming to Hulu. We have the Predator movie Prey coming to Hulu. And now it's been announced this new Alien feature film is coming to Hulu. It seems like Hulu's going to be the place to be for Alien and Predator content. 
I know we've seen some fans not super happy about that. I know it's more understandable with the show. And the show is FX on Hulu. And FX also, I believe, is on regular television as well. So who knows if it's going to be Hulu exclusive or FX just, just on TV and Hulu. We don't know. But how are you two feeling about this streaming future for the franchises? My concern... Look, the quality of of streaming productions is so high now. You know, it's like we were talking about earlier with with The Expanse. And, you know, we've got Lord of the Rings coming up that's, what, 100 million or something, the budget for that? Something ridiculous. No, it's not 100 million. That's ridiculous. I think it is ridiculously high. It might be. I think a lot of fans are in the wrong about it, but they're equating to streaming, straight to streaming and straight to DVD. Those are the old days, yeah. This isn't the 2000s. This isn't, yeah. you know, Starship Troopers 2, Heroes of the Federation, where oh, you've seen the effects <laughs> from not. the film. You know, well, it, it isn't. We know yeah. it isn't. It's <laughs> a completely different environment, uh, entertainment landscape, and the two do not marry up. And believing that is old thinking. It's in the past. It doesn't bother me. I mean, I'm always going to miss the chance to see it on the big screen. I'm never, ever not going to miss that opportunity. And that relates more to, you know, Prey and I guess Alien 5, whatever we're going to call it now, <laughs> than it does to the TV show. But... My worry is not being able to own it. Mm. I mean, it's, it's not that big of a deal, I suppose, because, you know, we do get, we did get, you know, Netflix's various Marvel shows. You know, we're still getting Star Trek on DVD, stuff like that. I don't really know how it works with some of Marvel's. Well, with Disney Plus, none of the Marvel series and none of the Star Wars series are no. gotten physical home release and none of them plan to have physical home releases and aj actually made the the point here that why would they sell you that when they could just have a subscriber for life if you're a fan and i think that's the main concern that's the worry worry. you see things with the expanse where they'll release it on blu-ray eventually and streaming quality it it can be variable especially depending on your internet i know most places have high-speed internet these days but there's just that like clean quality you get with a blu-ray and even more so now with a 4k blu-ray that i don't think should be forgotten about and I, I do hope that the show and the movies coming out have physical home releases. I think Hulu has been more okay with that than Netflix and Disney Plus have, but we'll just have to see. And the problem with that is that it, it does encourage piracy. Yeah. So many people who just either can't afford or they just don't want to subscribe to Disney for various different reasons. And they, you know, they're going to encourage piracy. On the other hand, we do know from ADI when they did Harbinger down they said it costs a lot of money to actually print out dvds and blu-rays so it's it's often a case of they're not even guaranteed to make you know break even let alone make a profit but with an alien and predator film you would think that's more of a foregone conclusion there's more brand yeah brand recognition yeah exactly i think like aaron says it's going to be a real shame to see something like a more so with alien because it does have that legacy of being an art piece when it comes to a film, it's going to be a shame not to see that on a big screen. But is it going to be a loss that, oh, it's just straight to streaming? No, because we've seen some really good quality, and I do mean quality productions, go straight to streaming. And it's not like it's a little studio. This is Disney's own streaming service. So it's going to receive the attention it deserves as far as streaming releases go. But it will be a shame. But, you know, as some people who've commented on this story have said, we're now starting to see a trend where it's really only the sort of guaranteed blockbusters that they're getting any interest in putting out. 
And alien and predator films, unfortunately, have not had a great track record of being blockbusters. People think the original Predator and the original Aliens were massive commercial hits in their day. At the box office, not so much. It's more like the legacy that's come after it and merchandise that they've received that. But from a moneymaker perspective, I can see why they're doing this. It's just, it's just, it's a shame. I think at the time... For R-rated films, Alien yeah. and Aliens and Predator did pretty well. I mean, the, the other thing is, for inflation. there are justifiable worries because sometimes we see productions like Books of Blood, which was a Clive Barker thing. That came out recently on Disney's streaming service, and that's meant to be based on Clive Barker's original novellas. And that was terrible. It, I mean, all, a lot of Clive Barker and Hellraiser, it wasn't a Hellraiser book, but, you know, there's a link there. The unanimous vote was, what the hell were they doing? And so there is going to be, it's not guaranteed that just because it is brand recognition, it's going to be done right. But you're going to get that as a, you know, if they released it on the cinema, there's no guarantee of that either. I think people are going to have more of a more of a concern, rightly or wrongly, they are going to have that concern about the fact that Ridley Scott is involved. Because as soon as you mention that name with an alien film, there is that section, rightly or wrongly, of fandom going, oh my God, it's going to be just like the prequels. There's also another section that go, oh yes, just like the prequels. But I think that's going to be more of a concern going forward because he's producing this and apparently he's producing yeah. a film. Well, we can tell you this is this is Holly's show. Scott is is just executive producer, I think. It's just paying the bills. Yeah, or finding who's going to pay the bills. But <laughs> yeah, or just has his name attached for the show's clout. Well, and as as we said, unless he happens to direct some episodes, in which case, yeah, okay. Judge but it's still Holly's direct. show. Yeah, he's still the showrunner. Which was the same for Raised by Wolves as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he had a bit more. Inv- well, I'm not sure with Raised by Wolves. I need to research that one a bit more. All right, so I think we are all talked about on Noah Hawley's show. You know, of, of course, we're keeping our eyes out for more official information. And, you know, with it not being in production as yet, you know, there's no real genuine marketing taking place. So it is still very much early days drought kind of news leading up to, you know, when we're actually going to start to see filming and production and stuff like that. But I don't think there's much else we can say with this one. So let's talk about the brand new news of a new Alien movie being in development. I don't think any of us expected to be talking about this. As of recording, yesterday, we got some pretty exciting details. Adam, what the hell happened? As the news poster, you can uh, go over this. So, we are getting a new Alien movie, which came out of nowhere. Well, it might be a bit premature to say we're getting it, it's just in development. It's in it's in development. Hopefully, this doesn't turn out to be another Alien Five where <laughs> we get our hopes up and then it fades away. But uh, we didn't expect to be hearing anything about an Alien movie until after the FX TV series. So this did catch us by surprise. So a new Alien movie is coming, and I guess this will be written and directed by Fide Alvarez. This director has helmed the Evil Dead remake, which came out in 2013. More recently, the Girl in the Spider's Web of the Dragon Tattoo series, and a film called Don't Breathe, which I've heard mixed things about. But this guy kind of goes with 
with horror films, I guess, more of a horror director. And apparently he just casually pitched this alien idea to Ridley Scott a while back. And the idea remained with Scott for a while. And last year, late last year, Scott hit him up about it and said, do you want to do this? So this is this was exclusively broken by The Hollywood Reporter. And this is from their news about it. Alvarez's take is being kept deep inside the studio's chest, but sources describe it as unconnected to the previous movies. According to sources, Alvarez is a rabid fan of the franchise and casually pitched a take to Scott many years ago. The idea remained implanted in Scott's brain until late last year when he called Alvarez out of the blue and asked him if the younger filmmaker was still up for it. Alvarez didn't have to be asked twice. 20th Century picked up the project, quote, purely off the strength of Fide's pitch, said Division President Steve Aspel. Quote, it was just a really good story with a bunch of characters you haven't seen before. So I guess 20th Century Studios president, Steve Aspel, who also talked to The Hollywood Reporter about the time period of Prey, spoke to them about this alien movie as well. So they continued, said by doing the project for Hulu, there wouldn't be the pressure to whittle down the potential edginess that could come with theatrical considerations. It's not a film that has to be all things to all people with those gargantuan budgets. They get to be authentically what they are, and this is closer to its genre roots. Okay. Didn't we talk about this when we did our future, hopes and dreams for the future? You know, this idea of a lower budget standalone alien film where they have to try and not go big, but go little. We talked about that. I find that prospect really exciting. I'm not going to lie. And and I think it was something we also brought up when we were talking about the possibility of Blumhouse, you know, getting hold of the license. Yeah, you look at the returns that those lower budget horror movies can pull sometimes and they can still create a pretty compelling world. Like, look at the Purge movies. Like, those movies are super low budget and they pull huge returns. And so I think we've been saying for a while, Aaron, that Alien should be going lower budget, can be more of a, a horror oriented, kind of back to its roots smaller contained stories, which can be unrelated to the previous stories, which they mentioned that as well. Like this is unconnected to the previous films. I love that. Uh It reminds me of those 40th anniversary shorts that just did their own thing, like something like that, but as a full movie, which I'm super hyped about. I think that could work really well. And just the comics and books as well. You know, that is the entire feel of a lot of the, the EU. So I'm really excited about just that single prospect. I mean, what about you, Eric? Well, there's there's two things here right off the bat, basically. Right in that quote there, there wouldn't be the pressure to whittle down the potential edginess which comes with theatrical considerations. They get to be authentically what they are, and this is closer to its genre roots. That right there suggests heavily to me that they are definitely going to lean in strongly to horror, and it will be very much an adult rating. Some people do worry about PG-13 when it's coming to this. The possibility of that with the upcoming Predator film, this sounds like they just said, you know what we need to do? And they've pitched it a bit like Alien Isolation without the Amanda Ripley link, which is great. It sounds a lot like that. It's isolate the feel of isolation without an Amanda Ripley. It might be one like her, but you know, there's not that Link character because they said it's completely original characters. And the other thing is, of course, the director. Now, I haven't seen Don't Breathe. I did see the advert for it. It looked very interesting, but I have seen the Evil Dead remake. I thought personally, now I know Evil Dead fans had an issue with it because it wasn't comical like the original source material. Well, neither was the original Evil Dead. It became more comical through the series. 
But I thought as a straight horror film, especially one that's dealing with demonic possession, I thought it was really well done. I did too. I really enjoyed his Evil Dead remake. I thought in particular that's got relevance for an alien film, the part where, you know, the girl gets caught by the tree and what happens with her in that. I could see, yeah, if if that director was, you know, they're helming an alien film, how he did the tension and that sort of, you know, psychosexual part to do with that scene. I could see him handling the material of Alien really well. And the whole film, there was, it did a lot of good things with tension, which is what you need yeah. in an Alien film. And the whole film was just in like a cabin in the woods, yeah. like very low budget, and he was able to do a lot with it. Exactly. It's dealing with these elements, these themes that we, you know, there's the old phrase that like with the Strauss brothers, the, you know, they said, it's a gritty film and it's back to its roots. These are the elements that you need to go back to the root. There's similar kind of, this sounds like someone who might give us what Blomkamp was saying in his interviews with what he was going to want to give. Now, all he's got to do is basically say something about H.R. Giger's aesthetics and basically we're there, <laughs> I think. So long as... You know, again, we're talking the vacuum, but these things, I'm hearing good things right from the offset. And keep it there, and I'm interested in this project. I mean, the whole thing as well about not having to whittle down its edginess limbs yeah. makes me sort of think perhaps it is going to lean more on that sexual side. Mm. There's always a little bit of a, you don't want the subtext to go too far. Yeah. But even if it went a little bit further, I think it could be interesting because that's always going to be there. I mean, as long as you get the feel of horror, that the at least of the first two films, I don't say the third because Fincher has always been one that's quoted as saying one of the big problems with the third film is that it went for queasy horror, not scary horror. The first two films did deal with horror. Bring that back. And it feels like that quote is very much hinting at that. Like, especially that might even be, you know, they're bringing Egg Wolfing back or something. You don't know if it will. Oh, man, but it I would love that so much. In line with that quote, the edginess, and it's going to the roots of the genre. Maybe it's something like that. Well, I've wanted this for such a long time. Something that is not connected to Ripley at all because she had mm -hmm. four movies. Sure, I'd like to see a continuation of her resurrection character in some form. But more than that, and after the prequels too, were just so muddled for me. I just want to see a classic feeling alien tale like the comics, like Isolation, that's just set somewhere in this universe. And it sounds like this is what this could be. And I think it's an awesome idea. Uh, well, we know nothing about the idea, but I think it's an awesome concept in terms of, hey, let's just do something that's totally unrelated to what came before. And I think the Fox president has a good point. I mean, fans have been, I've seen some griping about the Hulu release with this as well. But there is something to be said that you look at the creative risks taken on streaming movies and shows now versus the creative or the lack of creative risks taken in theatrical movie releases. There is an element where they're trying to please mainstream audiences in big theatrical releases now, at least some of the time. It shouldn't be that way. I think you can have big movies, big theatrical movies that are bold and unique like Dune. But at the same time, there is this pressure for the studio, I think, uh -huh. in terms of theatrical releases where they are trying too hard to cater to our mainstream audience rather than appealing to niche fan tastes. And I think this could be a good avenue for doing that. I mean, again, people are thinking about this like the old times, like direct to DVD stuff. 
These aren't those times anymore. You have exclusive streaming movies that are nominated for Best Picture now, the Oscars. Like, times are different. The industry has changed completely. I will always enjoy the theatrical experience. I love going to movie theaters. I'm glad that's coming back more and I'm seeing Batman this weekend and I'm excited about that. But things are just changing and mm-hmm. more theatrical quality movies are going to be released on streaming. Yeah, there will be something missed in going to the movie theater, but I feel like a lot of people have big screens at home now. And that's yeah, become that is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. So you can make a nice movie night, you know, get some light dimmers or whatever if you don't have them and, and make a little movie theater at home. I know there's also movie theaters are expensive too now, and sometimes the crowds are not great. So it's like there's advantages to both. You know, I really like what HBO Max was doing, where you'd have theatrical releases and streaming releases release on the same day where you could see it how you want to see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that would be more ideal, I think. But I'm not opposed to this. Again, like we talked about, I just want eventual physical release for this movie and Prey and the Alien series. Um, If this is just locked to a streaming platform forever, that'll be a little more difficult for me as a fan. I guess it's still early days in seeing how Hulu streaming is going to handle that, isn't it? Because I guess this has only really been the thing since the Disney takeover. So it might be worth looking into seeing how all the Hulu streaming releases have dealt with the home releases. I think Disney has an ownership stake in Hulu. They do. But I don't know if it's total. It's. I think it's just worth looking into, yeah. you know, for precedence and stuff like that. And I'm actually really... I'm not overly familiar with Fede Alvarez like you guys either. I haven't seen Don't Breathe. I'm going to. Um, certainly I'm going to now. And I want to watch this Dragon Tattoo movie as well, because I think that's a cool series. But just like looking at Don't Breathe on IMB, you know, it's 7.1, pretty reasonable. Evil Dead's rated a little less at 6.5, but I have seen that, and it is one of only two films I've ever had to go and take a step outside (laughs) while watching. And you didn't watch the unrated cut. I still need to watch that one. There was actually an interesting facet to that that does actually relate to how he might possibly handle, like, we don't know what the story is, but apparently, now, I don't feel the Evil Dead remake had too much gore, but apparently one of, he said in an interview that one of the criticisms of the Evil Dead one was it had too much gore and um, they gave the, the characters too much, you know, this, that, and the other. So you said, okay, we're going to turn it on its head. We're going to have minimum of gore, and we're going to make it so that the villain can't see. Now, that in, in itself makes for an interesting formula for a film. So it makes you wonder, how is he going to apply that logic to an alien film? Because at the end of the day, aliens are not gory either, really. No, but how, well, that's the other thing, because a lot of people say, oh, you just need gore-soaked Fabian. You don't. How is he going to up, you know, is he going to create that sort of like Lambert death sort of thing? What is he going to, mm-hmm. is he going to sort of try to give the alien a disability somehow? What is he going to do to play around in that sandpit? That's, that's a fair point, actually. see what the typical formula is and turn it on its head because he has shown a willingness to take a formula, turn it on its head, make it more interesting for it. And I, I think also because of that don't breathe thing where it's it's a blind guy hunting people down who's invaded his home that immediately as i say i haven't seen the film i saw the trailer but it did make me think that feels a lot like the alien in alien isolation when everybody's hiding from it don't make a sound and you've got this thing that's stalking through it makes me feel that might be how he's going to handle this it's definitely an interesting thought yeah I really, I really like that. 
and now I'm getting excited just on the Eric yeah. speculation alone there, <laughs> which is always the risk. It's always a risk. I'll be checking out his his other work myself that I haven't seen. But again, I liked Evil Dead. I still haven't seen the unrated cut of that either, and I need to check that out. I think it could go gory. I think just go go nuts with it and make it super gory. You can do gore, I think, in, in a good way where there's still, it's not just about the disgust. I think Alien 3 and Resurrection, the gore got a bit in the silly fashion. But you look at Isolation and the amount of like blood in that game sometimes. And there is a bit of, I think there's a bit of gore in Isolation as well. Maybe not too much. But there's a bit. Well, as long as it's done for meaningful impact, not just for the sake of it, that's what matters. <laughs> With Evil Dead, it was I always, I found it really intense as a film, you know, and, and even when the gore wasn't necessarily, the stuff wasn't necessarily gory, like the whole possession, the girl under the stairs stuff, she mm. freaked me fuck out yeah, yeah. she freaked me out so bad and i hate evil the original series i'm sorry dan i know you're probably listening to this there's a buddy of mine who it's his alien his evil dad and um, the original stuff well i actually know i think it's about the, the, the remake but yeah, she freaked me out so much and i liked that the the remake took a more serious take on it you know i fucking hate how campy and silly the the originals are yeah, but that was so fun though i hated it i don't like sam Raimi. evil dead 2 was the best one i thought but no, it was it was when one of the guys holds up his hand to deflect a blow and it splits his fingers. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember that necessarily being gory, but you know, just the disfiguration it's like a of it. Cringe injury yeah. kind of thing. I stood up and I just walked out of the <laughs> cinema and had to take a seat outside and have a breather because that just tipped me over the edge. I was like, Jesus Christ. It must be said that the actual the later the in terms of Evil Dead, the TV show that was recently done actually managed to somehow every single episode virtually was gold they managed to straddle the comedy with horror beautifully it was the perfect but it was much better than the original film so it can be done but in terms of a straight horror film yeah the remake of evil dead was i think it was handled well and i think it it also shows you how it it was kind of like it was small in scale where you look at something like the first of the AVP films, it tried to be epic in scale with a pyramid and things like that. Sometimes, especially with Alien, you have that less is more type thing. And you look at the Evil Dead one and don't breathe. What is it? It's just basically set in within a single house. So I think we may get that return of claustrophobia as well, which it, it does it works wonders for an Alien film. Because they work in the same way as, like, um, if you've watched The Reef, which is a shark film, that's pretty low budget, but one of the things it did really well, you have characters looking through the murk of the ocean, and you see this great white, not dash out, but very slowly loom out from the darkness and go back again. But it happens just like in real life. And if you capture that kind of essence in an alien film, you you bring it you bring that claustrophobia back where you don't want to go into the shadows and i really hope that's what this guy's going to bring to it i haven't seen the reef but there's another shark movie i saw called the shallows that i thought mm. was, was really good that just focused on a single character that was blake lively weren't it yeah that's the one i thought the reef was better but um yeah that had some nice things mm. in it too so yeah I, I, with him with them also saying characters unlike other characters i'm, I'm kind of curious as to yeah how that's gonna and it also makes me hope that it doesn't fall into that aliens trap of you know that one that one leading lady that is quite obviously going to be the survivor of the end the ripley alike the final girl 
Yeah, give me a bunch of leading ladies and let me not know who's going to make it to the end based on the trailer. Well, it just says um, a bunch of characters you haven't seen before, Mm. which could be anything, basically. It could could be, but that's more my hope. Yeah, it just means character, you know, they're unrelated. You're not going to see, like, somebody or other Vasquez or somebody's long-lost relative. Right, you boys, good? Anything else to talk about? Yeah, I mean, it's just really cool, exciting news again out of nowhere, and I'm stoked. It feels like stuff's coming again, finally. A lot of stuff. Do we get to call this Alien 5? Because I guess it is. Numbered sequels are out these days. (laughs) The the thing is, there's no indication that this is a prequel, so I guess this is going to be set in familiar future set territory. It's, It's Alien 5 until we actually get the subtitle. Yeah. Can we call it Alien 5 in the reporting? Yes. People will be confused. They'll think it's the yeah. Blom Camp one. We can call it Alien 5. There's been many takes. It just happens to be uh, Alvarez as Alien 5. Anyway, thank you everybody for watching or listening, depending on where you how you're digesting this content. Thank you for supporting us with um, you know, with your your listen or watch. It's very much appreciated. As always, please feel free to leave us any comments, tweet at us, drop us emails, and we hope you'll stick around for the next one. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me personally at underscore Corporal Hicks. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Ridgetop21. And we don't ask Eric, he doesn't have one. But, you know, also make sure you're checking out the website, avpgalaxy.net. There's old school message boards on there that are still very much alive and kicking. If that's how you prefer your discussions, please come sign up, register an account and join in with the rest of us nerds. Uh, We're also on Facebook groups as well. If you prefer your discussion to be chaos, you can find (laughs) us on Alien vs. Predator Galaxy Facebook community. And we also have a page, AVP Galaxy or Alien vs. Predator Galaxy vs. as in BS dot. We're on Twitter at AVP Galaxy. If you're watching this on YouTube, obviously we're on YouTube. If you're listening to it, you can also find us on YouTube where you'll find video versions of our podcasts and video versions of our editorial pieces that we post on the website as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening. More watching. This has been Corporal Hicks. Ridge Top. Xenomorphine. Signing off. <laughs>